The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee is a new brewing method that combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag. You don't need a machine. You don't have to make a mess. All you have to do is add hot water wherever you go. Each steep pack is individually sealed. It's nitrogen flush, so it stays fresh. And it's got this special full immersion filter. And the filter is ultrasonic sealed, which means it's sealed together with no glue or no staples. So there's no weird stuff floating around your coffee. Steeped is a benefit B Corp. They ethically source all their coffee. Their packaging is fully compostable and they believe that business should be done without compromise. You can get your hands on Steeped coffee packs at steepedcoffee.com. That's S-T-E-E-P-E-D coffee.com. Asking your local retail stores to start carrying Steeped or having your favorite roastery reach out and kind of get in touch. If you're in Santa Cruz, come on by any of the Cat and Cloud locations. We have it there for you. Basically, they're just doing their best to change the coffee industry, make your life more convenient with their pre-portioned, pre-ground innovation. So tell all your friends. The first podcast of the year. Oh, this is nice. Did you buy a print? The Wolf? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, the Wolf. Carol Carol got a card. That's a nice card. And some wine. Oh, yeah. Carol gave you some love. I like yeah. that. Uh, that's. Thanking I'm looking at a card. and Jenny also. Looking at a card that our, uh, our skills development champion, Kristen Hudson, created who is also an amazing artist it's a wolf and it's a wolf it's part wolf it's white fang that's actually a real sick design i'm blocking off my tea but anyway i actually didn't know until this moment that Kristen drew that oh yeah that's Kristen hudson i had no fucking clue that's yeah awful. that's her and uh i don't know if it says it on there anywhere does it say pretty Dude, little mistake or something it it does Just very fine oh, print in the back because Kristen's small. not very well she doesn't love self-promotion at all so Kristen, you should do more self-promotion. I know. That's going to take some practice, though. It's uh, K-Hut's a baller. True yeah, story. It does say happy little mistake. Happy little mistake Down is in her there. Instagram. You should definitely follow it because aside from skills development and if you listen to her on the one-on-ones episodes a few weeks back, you'll get a little comprehensive view of one of our leaders. I wonder if this was watercolor. Originally, I believe she does. It's like really man, detailed. I'm gonna, I don't want to speak for her. She does a lot of different things, dude. She does wood burning. She does wood burning. I, I think you might be right with that. I don't know. I no idea. Yeah, I don't remember either because it's all on her. It's all on her Instagram, and she'll do little videos of her like working on it. Up working close ups. on it. Working on a frame. Yeah, yeah. I love these berries. They look like coffee cherries. Mm, but yet they're blue. Yet they're blue. Berries. Maybe berries. I think it's probably nightshade because she loves the juxtaposition she of life and death. Oh, wow. She does. She thinks it's a beautiful thing. Really? Mm-hmm. Talked about it in her little one-on-one podcast. I was like, you know what? I can see that in the nightshade. I didn't listen to that one yet. I've been sleeping on that one for well, a second. We talked about it, though, because... It's a hot episode. Is this twice we talked about it? Did we did we flow into that two weeks back or something? Yeah, I mentioned that some people on staff were telling me that it was hot. Right, because she broke she broke character to I be herself I on the podcast. In. I didn't dive in yet. I didn't dive in. Uh-huh, Who knows? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Welcome to the new year, motherfuckers. Yeah. Here's, yeah, here's yeah. how you get your year started off right. Tell you, me. You read some fucking books. That's true. You read books. 100%. You read books that you haven't read before. You do things that you haven't done before. Mm-hmm. You get brainwaves going that haven't fired together. Mm. Before, you get new ideas. Yes. You get excited about old ideas. Double yes. That's it. You move forward. We're going to talk about 
some of our favorite books that yeah. have helped us last year and maybe some new ones that we're going to read this year mm. and possibly how you can apply those to your life to be radical. I think that's about, that's about right. I mean, it's the, the start of the year. We're trying to set you up for some successes because we all know that New Year's resolutions are a load. They don't work at all. So why would you start with one unless it's uh, I mean, I don't believe in them. I'm not into them. I don't I, think my, my thoughts are if something was really important to you, you probably would have done it already. Right. And if you're actually going to dive headfirst into something, you, you, the New Year's is irrelevant. You would have done it either way. Right. Gosh. It is. It does provide this interesting point of reflection to kind of recap and take a moment out and look and evaluate like what has been working and what hasn't been working. So I spent a lot of time in right. the past couple of weeks dissecting the survey that I sent to Alex and Carol which was about like 2018 recap, covered some of the stuff like highest highs of 2018, mm -hmm. lowest lows, things we could have done better. How's my performance as a leader? What are ways I could be better? Right. It's this whole thing. It was like an hour and 45 minute survey, long format. That's been useful. Yeah. Because that can help me going forward and breaking all that down is just, it's nice to have that pocket of time to like sit and think about that stuff. Oh, I fully agree. Which is nice because the year goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And then you have this little time that feels like it's carved out. Right. Between like Christmas and New Year's where nothing fucking happens. Yeah, at least you can't get anything done. You can't get anything done. <laughs> like you'd like. Yeah. Every Everyone has weird vacations. Like all your vendors are closed. It's so busy. Just regular things don't and, happen. And mm -hmm. then it cranks in. I'm totally with you. We did... A version. So you did an online survey for your squad. I did a sit down with Kristen and Tanner and it covered a lot of similar things. You know, what I could do to support them better, what we could do to improve communication, so on and so forth. Highs, highs, lows, lows. Um, and then we worked together on areas they kind of self-reflected and the areas they wanted to improve. I gave little feedback and in the end we agreed to initial goals and then a couple of long term, meaning the year that's long term, like one or two things that they feel like they'd be passionate in pursuing through the year. And it was same. It was like, it was really nice to align, learn, and to feel heard both ways. So like they, they got to hear me. And then I also got to, to lean into things that they specifically individually need or felt like were lacking from my performance and leadership. And I was like, that's, that's great. Cause it's the only way to move forward is to know, you know, how to be better. <laughs> what do you what do you think the difference is between a goal and a resolution? I because th <laughs> we definitely identify goals. Resolutions, I think, historically have been like, I'm going to immediately change upon January first and quote unquote commit to this new person. It's like a, I think it's. Actually, I'll go. Ellen DeGeneres does this her pod her uh, stand up, and it's really funny because uh, she's coming back. It's called Relatable. It's on Netflix. You can go check it out. But she makes this awesome joke, and I'm I feel like I'm comparing it in my head to the person that you go on vacation to pretend you are versus the person who you really are. And she's like, Yeah, I'm gonna go on this three day vacation. I'm gonna bring. Let's see. I'm gonna have so much time to read. I'm gonna bring six books, uh, and then let's see. There's gonna be a beach. I'm gonna run on the beach every day. So I'm gonna bring running shoes. And she basically goes through this huge list of all these things that you're gonna bring just in case you're going to encounter or be this person that you never are. Because she's like, Yeah, I'm on vacation. Nobody knows who I am. So I'm gonna be this person. And that to me feels like 
a resolution versus a goal where you're like, all right, I'm not going to be this right now. I am going to set out and do little micro steps to become this over time. And I need to do a lot of work and research to become this. So maybe it's like a resolution is something that you kind of pull out of the air. That's not necessarily part of your DNA or is not directly related to the things that you value. Example, if you take something like, like work. So one of things that one of the things that Carol really wants to work on is writing copy. That's one of her mm-hmm. big goals for progress for next year. Learn how to write better copy, learn how to communicate better, both in person and in the digital space. Right. Awesome goal. And is completely relatable to the job that she has mm-hmm. in the marketing department versus someone who has never exercised in their life. Right. Doesn't really want to exercise, but thinks maybe now is a good time to start exercising and they start exercising. It, d- it doesn't fit into who Straight they are. Straight out the gate. Yeah. Right, right out of the gate. And it's not that like, obviously you can fucking make the transition from not exercising to exercising, but it's that it doesn't tie into any bigger value that you have or yes. like it doesn't fit into your life zone at all. Yeah, it's like that. It's uh, You don't really know the why behind it, so you're yeah. not going to stick with it. It's like a goal without a plan. It's just a dream. Right. And so, yeah, a resolution, if you were to be effective in, a, in pursuing one, it could work, right? You'd plan ahead. You'd say, I want to become this, and here's steps to becoming that. But you can't just say, like, I mean, I guess with something like the Whole30, right? People do the Whole30 on New Year's, and they stick to it for 30 days. But that's do not, they actually change, or is that a 30-day goal? That's not really right? a resolution. Exactly. That's, a, that's like a, yeah. So people do that. That's a like, goal with like a finite return. Totally. Do the Whole30. That's like, I'm going to be a good dude for a week. Yeah. Like, cool. Who, who else is? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And you're totally right. You have to prepare, plan, and take steps towards something. And that's, I think, the difference between changing who you are versus like a resolution of whatever it is. It's too hard. You like jump off the cliff into becoming somebody, quote unquote, that you haven't ever been in your life and wonder why it never works. So instead of maybe focusing on the end goal of whatever you think that resolution might be, maybe a better way to look at it is to take it from a resolution, turn it into a goal, which is a longer term thing. Right. And take the first step. So maybe maybe I'm not going to go from sitting on the couch, only eating potato chips and watching TV to jumping into the whole 30 and doing CrossFit. Maybe I'm going to be like, all right, for the month of January, I'm just going to cut out some carbohydrates in my diet. I'm going to stop eating fast food. Right. That's like step one. Yeah. Or even just see how I feel. I'm going to exercise two times a week instead of zero times a week. And maybe my diet will stay the same, but I've started to do something and I'm going to commit to two times a week, no matter how I feel forever. And then you'll start feeling better at some point. And you're like, cool, maybe now I'm going to cut out something else or add something else to this regimen. Same thing. Yeah, right. It's like one step at a time. It's layers. One step at a time. It's exactly like training people to do anything in coffee, whatever. It's just like, okay, here's here's how to make espresso. If you're going to teach someone how to make espresso, 
there's a thousand things that go into making espresso. Right. And if you've been working bar for a long time, there's like a million different things that you could teach someone about how to be an awesome barista. But it doesn't make sense to bring everyone in, sit everyone down, and in one class be like, all right, guys, I'm going to tell you every fucking thing you need to know about being the best barista possible. Right. And then you have this 10-hour master class with all the information, and everyone's like, that seems completely unreasonable. The term master class and hurts me. Hey, um... I was wondering if uh, you wanted to buy into my uh, master class. I mean, like, I hear why people do it, but it hurts me so bad to have anybody name themselves a master. What's the other thing that people are part of? Mastermind Masterminds. Group. It's the same thing. Do you want to be into my mastermind group? And it's like, anyway, whatever. It's, it's <laughs> the idea is just feels so self-promoting and you're supposed to self-promote. I get it. But man, calling yourself a master or a mastermind is like... Woo, that's tough for me. Maybe just like a little too pretentious. <laughs> it is so pretentious. I probably peaked the meters with my, whoa. Ric Flair, baby. I, yeah, I feel I mean, that. whatever. It doesn't matter. That's I, just a personal thing. Who cares? Like, what's I could the be better right word? I don't know what the better There's word for it is. better words than master. It's like a brainstorming situation. Dude, or just, it's about development. Don't call yourself the fucking master of anything. Mastermind. I'm freaking master of the universe. All right, He-Man. That's... <laughs> <laughs> By the Stop power it. of Grayskull, dude. Yeah, I don't know what to do. That's I, Maybe I'm cynical about that, uh, but I'm not. I actually feel like it's it's just... I see people starting to use mastermind in the same way they used to use all those other hip words that came and went, and it hurts me. Because it's going to be like, in one and a half years, mastermind's going to go away, and it'll be something else probably, and whatever. The next marketing tool. Yeah, I mean, it's okay to just be learning about something. It's like, are you in a mastermind group? No, I'm actually just part of a group and we learn things, you know? <laughs> I'm in an elite guild. It's okay yeah. to not... It's okay to go to a party. You know, you don't have to go to a gala. Yeah, you can't... Uh, anyway. I, Everything doesn't have to be elevated to the most fucking <laughs> ridiculous level to where it's just like, oh my God, I'm so fucking important. Yeah, it's sidebar. Like, be important on your own. It's be fine. Be important on your own. Do Spend s- some time with yourself this year. Sit in some silence and just breathe. Because I know that that was missing from my end of year. And I'm just, you know, I was going on to the next thing. But if you really want to find out what's important to you, take some time to be alone and just sit there with no distractions and feel how awkward that feels for a while and keep doing it. And if you really want to up it to the next level, click the link in the description to sign up for the Cat and Cloud Masterclass. <laughs> it's a masterclass. It's a master- just <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> you just sit here. You just sit there. They're like, for how long? I'm like, tell we tell you to stop. The first tutorial unlocks the second tutorial, which is just standing there. <laughs> it's, in, to- it's in depth. <laughs> you can't get to level two unless you do level one. First you sit, then you stand. And then you get a certificate. Yeah. And then you can sit or stand. And it's because you're you've a master. <laughs> I've become a master of just being. I'm a master of myself. Sup, Jenny? Master, right. of, my, <laughs> master of my own master universe. Of my own small ass universe. Yeah, I feel that way about resolutions. And <gasps> I've often struggled with uh, the revo- resolution versus goal situation. Yeah. But I think, I think you nailed it. Thanks, man. Masterclass on. There's my there's your resolution two minute masterclass goals or five minute masterclass. Have you know what goals. though? Look, we were talking about reading though, and let me just get back on to that. Reading is definitely what the best leaders do, and that is not saying that we're the best leaders or the masterminds, but it is true. Leaders are always reading and always developing because who else is going to do it for you? Nobody. 
Right. And so what's I found to be really exciting is the books that I f- fall into lead to more books. So the best leaders are always calling out other good leaders or other good thought provoking people in specific areas. And in, you know, like I've mentioned the coaching habit a million times in the last six months, because it's for me probably has been the single most influential book for me this year. And there've been a lot of good ones, but that one has been the most influential. And in this book are at least five to 10 podcasts and probably more books of places to go to dive into anything that you're interested in. And I like that because nobody is a comprehensive professional experience leader master at anything. But I do think people are tuned into something specific and special that is theirs to learn and own and run and be excellent at. And I'd love that there is so many different avenues we can take in this book. And, and I say the coaching habit because that's sitting next to me again. But I opened it up. Uh, we were talking about books we may read this year and books that we have read. And for me, there's three or four that came out of the coaching habit that I'm at least going to look into. And then because of the coaching habit, I've listened to a couple podcasts that led to me being like, they talked about books on those podcasts. And I'm like, oh, I think that one is worth a look and a listen as well. So that's been really fun for me. It's a stream. You have to follow the stream. And I didn't read for a long time because I thought, why would I need to? Same. And idiot. I was an idiot. Super dumb. Because I was like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm dialed in. And my ideas about the world are, they are what they are. And I'm just going to go from here. And anything I need to know, I can figure it out. Because I'm smart. And guess what? I am fucking smart. But the statement that I made prior is so arrogant and ridiculous that it did not serve me well. Yeah. And I definitely had a period of growth that was super stagnant. Mm-hmm. That I'll, I'll take the blame on myself, but I'll also put the blame, I'll, I'll throw the blame around a little bit mm-hmm, just because mm-hmm, I'm an mm-hmm. asshole. But I was never in a place that encouraged that or made it known that, like, hey, maybe you should do this. Maybe, maybe this will help your skills development. Maybe this will make you a more valuable employee to us and everybody else. And that's why I push reading or just exploring so much with our crew because. Reading in the digestion of knowledge and ideas, punching outside of your box, specifically with the stuff that we're reading, it's like, cool, you go get a coffee book, you read the fucking coffee book, you learn all about processing, who gives a shit? It doesn't fucking matter. These things, coaching, teaching, organization, time management, efficiency, they will follow you wherever (laughs) you go. They're applicable in any job setting ever. So if someone leaves Cat and Cloud and is like, cool, I'm I'm like going to do this thing, I'm going to be... A designer and I'm gonna make my own art. It's like rad. You have a stack of business, communication, writing skills that will benefit you. If you go to work and you decide you want to work in the corporate world, same thing applies. These are like super useful skills. Right. I fully back that. We are in a place where we learned. I was fully the same way too. I was like, I don't read. And yeah, I was almost proud of it. I was too. I thought I was cool, which yeah. is super wrong. Terribly wrong. I I don't even know if I thought I was cool, but I was just like, I learned by doing, you know, like (laughs) I'm 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 at another level. Throw me in and I will do it and I will do it perfect at some point. Whatever. Who cares? The point is, is I will back that. Nobody pushed development on me ever with the exception of my eighth grade teacher, Dave Vixie. If anybody knows him in the Paradise Adventist Academy world, you are the, I'm trying to like make sure that I'm 
honest with myself there, but I think you're almost literally the only person who consistently pushed that on me. Actually, Mr. Preston, another dude, <laughs> did say, he said one thing. It wasn't, he didn't even push. He just said one thing. He's all context, context, context will change your life. Take everything that you hear and learn in the context of what is happening, not in a blanket statement. This happened. This will always happen. Anyway, but what I'm saying is I pushed the same thing on Tanner and Kristen through the reviews. I said, look, we're going to sit down every week and we're going to talk about the books or things that you are learning and we're going to have discussions about them. And it is part of how I will measure your success is how you will become self-learners and you will become communicators about these ideas and things that you're passionate about with me so that we can learn to teach others to do the same thing because it is truly about developing others to develop others. Or else, why are we even... I don't want to have a company where we just work to make money. And I know we talk about that over and over and over again, but in order for it to really work, someone else needs to take the reins and become the next level of teachers. And they need to get other people excited and help them understand how important it is to learn how to guide, but also, yeah, teach and coach. And they're all different. Teaching, coaching, and development all have little caveats to them. They're all different styles. And it's neat and it's important. So, yeah, I'm with you. You have to read and you have to continue to self-develop. Did you have a, do you have a book list going or is everyone going to pick their own book? And we all bring started it in? with the coaching habit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, specifically with... So Kristen already finished The Coaching Habit, so we're going to start talking about that. Kristen is starting to move on to some other things. Tanner specifically asked to practice coaching, so he and I are going to sit and work on coaching and talking through The Coaching Habit, and even just practicing, because at the same time, I want them to practice on me, but I also want to practice on them, you know? For sure. And so it'll be like a two-way street, uh, and it's been neat. Like they've They've set a schedule where they're going to show their office hours, and that means that people can schedule time with them to essentially get coaching, get feedback, get development, ask questions, whatever. But it's the beginning of an established culture that they are starting to lead where they can start passing on success, I would hope, or what it could look like to have a successful week or month or year to other people in terms of planning and time management, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I saw Kristen's office hours go up on Basecamp. It made me very proud. I texted her immediately. I was so excited. And then I was wrestling with the fact that I was still butthurt that I hosted one office hour and nobody came and I still haven't recovered from it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think all that, though, takes time. So I've been actually learning about a little bit about like change. I hate the term change management, but just like the process of change. And I don't think that it is normal. It is normal to have office hours. I don't think it's normal in the context of work culture to be able to feel like you can access that. Totally. I totally get that. And I mean, I mean but I, no, I hear you. There's totally a run <clears throat> of maybe if one person came and they're like, totally. Oh, it was actually really awesome. It was a nice open conversation. There was no judgment. We could talk about work or not. Yeah. We could talk about life in general or just kick the ball around or a little yep. bit and build that point of contact, pass on. Cause I really love passing stuff on in like this casual storytelling yep. vibe. It's History, my, it's my favorite way to do it. And that helps, you, you know, you said context. I think the more we can put our business into context, the more people will understand where we're coming from. Yes. On top of layering that on top of the values, like people understand the values, people understand the definitions of the values. You pinged me. But if, you know, if 
people can understand where those values came from and the stories behind those values, I think that's so powerful. So I almost picture it like a campfire kind of situation Yep. where we're just like, people are getting together. We're talking about this together. Um, and it would just take one person to go there, have a good experience, and then tell somebody else, and then it would turn into a thing. Dude, you totally, yep. You totally Jared's taking me. notes right now. Well, no, and we were going to talk about this anyway, but it's just part of, I'm leading an orientation tonight, and it's part of what we were going to speak of next, which is the idea of leaving people happier than we found them and, and trying to connect on that. Cause that's part of, that is our mission, but just reiterating what that means tonight at the beginning. Cause I, I was working on orientation notes this morning Yeah, I saw and you. I was, I was, we were just, I ran out of time and I had actually enough, but I was like, Oh yeah, this caveat will be epic to add to a portion of orientation night. So yeah, that's all. You're welcome. I had, to, I had to make a note so that I could make a note. You know what I'm saying? That was a free masterclass mm. on how to tell stories. Yeah. All right, books. What books? <clears throat> Let's start with some books. Books I'll, that we have read or books? Yeah, yeah. Books we, that we could do both. We would recommend and where we're going. Okay. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the jump off. Jump off number one, How to Be a Boss by Justin Kerr. I, I really. This is more of like a field guide Field manual. It's a short book. You could read it in a day pretty easily, maybe two days if you're a slow reader, just kind of taking your time. Yep. This I would recommend to someone who has never been in charge of people before or has never had any formal training being in charge of people before. It's not very theoretical. It's super practical. It's super applicable. And it's like, these are things that you should do daily, weekly, quarterly, mm -hmm. yearly. Etc. 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 It gives tips on how to hire people, how to fire people, how to have direct communication with people, and in every chapter, there there are checklists for everything. Yeah. So you could read this, take some notes, immediately put it into play, and go from there. And this was really helpful for me because this is like the basics mm -hmm. of being in a managerial position, right? But it's something that not a lot of people learn about. I certainly never learned about it anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I had been thrust into management before. Be like, hey, you're in charge of this department. Cool. What do I do? We'll just do your work, obviously. I'm like, oh, okay, sick. <laughs> Here's your metrics of success. Helen numbers, a lot of money, <laughs> and uh, it has to come in. And uh, good luck out there. Do it right yeah. or be an idiot. And in case you were wondering, doing it right, I'm not going to tell you what that means. I'm just going to tell you when you're not doing it right. I'll okay? definitely tell you when you do it wrong. Yeah. Um, but that book has been great. A lot of us have read that, and it's, a, it's an awesome read. It's just a great, it's a great best foot forward. He wrote a couple books. One of them is How to Write an Email. Mm. It, Justin Kerr. Mr. Corpo. Mr. Garp. Links will be in the show notes. Sure. Thanks, Carol. Thanks, Carol. Pre-game that one. <laughs> Pre-game that one. What do you got? Uh, well, Pass it I over mean, to you. unfortunately, I have to say the coaching habit again because it seriously does cover many different, many different facets of how to lead and also some of the stumbling blocks. But what's also been neat is I have actually suggested this book to about five or six people outside of our cafe. Obviously, besides the hundreds of the hundreds of people listening right now, but every single one of them came back to me and was like, that book was epic. It's got me kind of revisiting the way that I lead and asking a lot more questions. And the questions have been very helpful already. And I have barely stepped into what I can become here. So for me, again, same thing. A lot of actionable, actionable steps, a lot of science to back up the way the brain works, a lot of just 
maybe insights into things that you may or may not do that might surprise you. And that has been really neat. So there. The interesting thing with that, too, is that it's written in the context of work, but it's applicable across pretty much any relationship. That's the best part. You can use it in your marriage. You can use it in your friendships. You can use it all over the place. And it's fucking tight. Yeah. And it it really does allow. So somebody like me, I grew I'm pretty socially awkward. The cafe setting helps me a lot. But. To kind of get a framework, I, I am some of those, someone who needs like somebody to teach me, like, here's how you do it. And some of the framework in here, it allows me to not feel like I need to be anything. I can just ask some questions. And where I thought I could do a fairly good job in times, it's, it's become a lot easier to continue through conversations and to hear more of what I actually wanted. I just didn't know how to ask questions appropriately. It was weird and cool. I've also dove in pretty deep to... Enneagram love, which is either the most annoying thing you've ever heard because you don't know what it is. No, sorry. The book is not called Enneagram Love. (laughs) The easiest, it's actually called um, The Road Back to You by Ian Cron. And it is one of the best introductions to the Enneagram, but an even easier one for people to just like get yourself past the point where you're annoyed right now for me saying the Enneagram because it's quote unquote trendy because it is trendy right now. I fully hear you. Um, it's called the Enneagram made easy. It's like a straight up mix between comic book and real book. You could read the whole thing in probably two hours and it would just, what it does for me, which I love, first of all, I back strengths finder like we do. So everybody in my staff who thinks that maybe I'm moving on to the next thing, that's not what I'm doing. They work in tandem. And what's cool about the Enneagram is just, if you learn kind of how people can tick you can help to reposition your mindset to be less judgmental, to learn how to communicate and learn where other people tend to have motivations come from. This does not in any way box people in either, which a lot of people think when they hear people number somebody, they think they're boxed in. That's not at all the point of this. What more is the point is just learning how different people in the world tick, where their motivations lie, and maybe how they think by default first and what means the most to them. And that is a very broad statement, but it's really interesting to know the difference between somebody who first and foremost goes to risk assessment in management and all and asks a lot of questions to learn versus somebody who is me who might feel like that person is actually challenging my authority. Mm. And to be able to be learn about people like that is exponentially more powerful than I could ever imagine. So I'm currently going very deep into that in a way where I'm hoping to not judge people, but I'm hoping to hear what people say and hear what people mean and feel and are impassioned by and to be able to kind of just lean into some of the responses that I've learned from these books as to how this person may tick and then you get it right or wrong and you can kind of move along and ask questions also. What do you think is responsible for the trendiness of the Enneagram? Like I'm looking on Instagram and I see people put their number in their fucking bio. I think there's a few things. I think people want to be known and they want to feel understood. And so there's that part and that's interesting and neat. But I also think that it is a very old and really accurate way of understanding human beings that finally a couple of people found a way to make money on and coach and teach. And it is actually, it does work. And so now everybody's like, Ooh, this, Ooh, that, Ooh, this, Ooh, that. And it it is, it allows for a lot of complexity. 
as well in people. So I think there's two parts to that. Yeah, but I wonder, what do you think they're getting out of it? The person who's... Like, would you put your number in mm, your bio? And what would that do for you? So, I mean, me personally, I wouldn't put my number in my bio. And this isn't right or wrong, but in the same way that I personally... I guess I just don't care. So, like, the people who put their their pronoun that's also cool but i personally wouldn't put like him he or whatever it is just because i wouldn't it's not i don't have a good reason personally i really don't i just don't i i don't think of it that way what i do like for the people who are closest to me to know is that like i thought for a long time i was one way and as i've learned more and more about myself i realize that i actually am like whatever an enneagram three which means that a whole hell of a lot of my life I tried to be what everybody wanted me to be to become successful. And I saw what everybody viewed as important. And that's the negative, one of the negative sides of being a three is they become a chameleon and become a professional at whatever they think people want them to be. And that has become so important for me. Also hella painful in the last month or two, because I'm like probably more than half my life, I was not being myself because I was afraid to be myself because people wouldn't like me. And that's one of the things that Enneagram threes live with their entire life. So for me, if I found another Enneagram three in our company and I knew for sure, I would lean into making sure I knew who they really were and who they really wanted to be and made sure that they knew that I I don't need them to be what they think I think they need them to be. <laughs> Follow me down that rabbit trail, bitches. Yeah. So anyways, that's, that to me is where the power is. Everybody else has a different picture based on how their number is of why the Enneagram means something to them, which is also, it's just a complex fucking thing that unless you get into, you're going to hate it probably. And if you get into it, you might be like, oh, I see value in this. Yeah. It's really interesting to me. It's it, the trend is actually really interesting to me. I feel like there are, and this is just a feeling. This is purely anecdotal. Maybe I'm wrong. That's fine. I'm okay to be wrong. It seems like there are more and more ways to define and identify who we are and to give insights into other people's personality and to understand each other. But when I look at the internet, all I see is less understanding than ever before, more divided situation than ever before. And I'm wondering, are these trends accomplishing what we think we want them to accomplish? like, Or are we just putting a number there just to put a number there? Like, Do we want to have the conversation about who we really are and what we really believe? And are we comfortable enough to have that conversation Mm -hmm. and have someone else disagree with us or have someone else's point of view? And that's why I think that trips me out about like the Enneagram numbers and the strengths finders and all that stuff more than anything else. Cause they're totally useful tools. Like sure I get it, but I'm just like, wow, this is an interesting cultural phenomenon that is not reflected in the way we treat each other. Well, that's, I fully agree in like the world. Right. So f- for me, I, I see it in terms of, yeah, learning about the people I know. So yeah, I have, I have a plan and a reason, but if you just are putting numbers out there to be able to see who else is like a same number as you, you might not be getting enough out of that. I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. And the box in and the, I think the over judgment of like, oh yeah, that's, he's totally a nine. Yeah, (laughs) totally a nine. Dead set nine. It's like, no, if you look into it, there's like, I'm not even going to go deep, but you can fully have 
mistypes and counter things based on like other portions and you're far more complex and you're like little mixes. If you go through the book that I talked about, the Enneagram Made Easy, I actually identify with a lot of traits of other things, but you have to really be honest with yourself to know who you are. I identify with all the traits of almost all of them, like a six and a one a lot of the time and but it's like who you really are is what matters and you can't, you can't just throw numbers at people. Anyway, we're done with that one. But that's been, that honestly has been very interesting and very effective in my life, especially for my wife and I. Dude, that's sick. I know. Get, a, get to another one. Get to get another to, one. Um, combo bonus. Everybody knows I love Jocko. Extreme ownership and the dichotomy of leadership together as a package. The jockstoposition. The jockstoposition. <laughs> And then if you want to tack another one onto there, you could do his discipline equals freedom, but you can't be a fucking wuss and read that. Don't fucking read that and then call me whining about all the bullshit that's your fault that you can't deal with. <laughs> all you soft motherfuckers, just skip that one. But really, you need to read it. Um, the I really love extreme ownership and dichotomy of leadership. And dichotomy of leadership basically piggybacks on the ideas of extreme ownership and breaks those down even further because we've talked about this before, but almost everything in leadership is a dichotomy. Oh, yeah. You want to have ownership over your stuff, but if you have too much ownership, you end up micromanaging your people and they don't learn enough. Mm-hmm. Where is that Where is that line? Where so he, he takes all of the concepts, you know, simple, cover and move, all of those things from extreme ownership and breaks those down even further. Like... Cool. You want stuff to be simple so that it's easy to understand and easy mm-hmm. to digest and everyone can put the plan into play. But if it's too simple and you don't have any contingency plans, then it's just going to fail. Right. So where do you find that razor's edge, like navigating that? Mm-hmm. And I found that to be really, really, really useful. And some people don't like the military flavor of his books. Sure. But I really quite enjoy it because it shows... These principles working in a context where failure equals death. Right. Like people die when shit doesn't go right. And I'm I'm not into war. Like I don't want people to go overseas and start killing each other. It just does not sound fun to me. Sure. Not backing violence. I'm like pretty nonviolent dude. Yeah. Um Evelyn but, can attest to that. Costa Rica a guy tried to fight Chris. We were and like, I, dude, not, not trying tonight. to fight you. Not tonight. So you need to go back to your room, you're, sir. You're drunk and angry and sir, big. you're very large. Yeah. <laughs> but we would win if we Please had to fight you. <laughs> I have a lot of to. deep-seated anger that <laughs> I could pull out. Exactly. At any moment, I could snap. I could Stop go, trying to oh. push me. But it, it works really well to illustrate those points. And then it transitions from a war story to the principle, the heart of the matter, and then same principle in a business setting, like a real-life mm-hmm. business setting. So it, it's super useful. And I, I just feel... It's great for people who want to take the next step. If you've ever felt unempowered, it gives you insights on how you can take control of your own world, even if you're at the bottom of the totem pole. Mm. Even if you're the newest employee in the company, the lowest on the chain of the command, they talk about the front line all the time, which is a term we use to describe the people that are in cafes. Right. They're quote unquote like the newest hires. So if you looked at, you know, whatever, we don't think about it like this. We actually put them on the top of the mountain. But if you look at a traditional org chart, these are the employees that would usually be at the bottom. Mm. They're the newest. They're the lowest paid. They, they, do the, they do the hard work. Yeah. And same thing applies in the military. 
but they're constantly referencing like how important those people are and how important it is for them to understand these concepts. Because again, you're in crazy battle situations. You right. can't have someone telling you what to do all of the time. Like mm-hmm. you need to learn how to lead up the chain of command, how to right. run things up to your boss in an effective way that like doesn't make them feel like they're pinched off or make them feel like you're trying to be the most important, but really just doing what's best for the organization mm-hmm. and how much power you actually have in those quote unquote low positions. And I think that's why it's super valuable for people who might not be CEO or business owners or management types. I think it's really empowering for the every person. I feel that. I think that that is a really important point to make for anybody who is at a company that's either growing or you are whatever, quote, towards the bottom of the totem pole. The whole idea of, and we talk about all the time, but being developed in a way where you can make huge, huge advances for the company from that place. But there's also something to remember that I think is really important. A lot of people talk about like the base pay of the intro level versus growing up. And at least for us, I think something that's really important to note there is it's worth paying you more as you grow up the chain at the same level that you're able to teach more people. And in order to do that, there's time involved in learning. There's, there's so much immersion that needs to happen before you can continue to grow up in any company, not a, let alone ours. And I think that's why a lot of the time, if you're in a good company, earning more money and responsibility comes with the task of making sure that other people learn and grow too. And that's where your value becomes extra, extra awesome as well. It just helps keep you in check, right? It's like, you're amazing. You can keep making advances and you can keep empowering yourself and killing it and you will grow to the next level. The, the key to what you're saying, yeah. I think, is it, it's, not a, it's not actually about you. Exactly. It's about value add to the organization to everybody and everyone around you. around you. Yes. Which is such a key staple in any kind of relationship building. Mm-hmm. You know, someone has something that you value or you desire. You can't just go be like, Hey, give that to me. It's like, no, 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 Let's like, let's make this situation equitable. Like, hey, you have this really awesome skill. That's rad. I want to learn about it. Right. What can I do for you? Mm-hmm. How can I be of service? Mm-hmm. And I think being of service is, is, such, is such a key player. Because right. cool, like, yeah, you want to get more skills and you want to get more money. But sure. like, I can't pay you more money just because you're a better barista. I still have 30 other people that you, right. with your skill set, could lift up. Let's talk about that. No, yeah. I mean, if 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 you're the best ever at something and I promoted you to the top of the chain, but you couldn't make anybody else any good at it, it's actually a full waste of time and energy and money for both of us because you're just going to fizzle out at some point. And nobody really only works for money unless they're dying. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know, like happiness does come as well into play, no matter who you are. You, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I uh, No, I I love that you brought that up, and I think it's important for everybody who wants to grow and succeed to keep in mind, what can they do? It's so fucking corny. Like, what can they do for the organization? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, or apply it to something like, like your marriage. Like, I keep coming back to marriage, but it's like a great parallel for a lot of these things to where... How awesome is your marriage if you're just looking out for what's only important to you? Right. Like, if you want your marriage to be awesome, you need to take the other people in your life into account and right. think about how you can make their life better, like, 
step one. Or even go weirder, like for anybody who works for us. What if Chris, Charles, and I just like walked away and said, okay, now you four are in charge of the company and it's future. Go. And you get whatever. We're going to give you like hella money out of nowhere that we don't have. But all of a sudden you're like making 200 grand, we'll say. (laughs) Here's 200 grand for you four or five people. Go. And we just walked away. Would you feel like you could do it? And a lot of times, yes, you could feel like you could do it, but it'd be like, okay, wait, what? You know, that'd be hard. It'd be kind of shitty. And if you're not ready for it, or if you're not really clear on what you believe and feel, it'd be, it wouldn't actually be as awesome as making that money. <laughs> it would no, be, you'd be pretty stressed terrible. out out of your mind. Yeah. And it, and that's not even to make Chris Charles and I look awesome. It's just that we all need people to help us grow to the next place so that we can then step in and be fully autonomous and lead other people to better places than even we are. And we're at at that entry level to the next level. Uh, anyway, whatevs. For sure. What was the first thing that you applied, though, when you went from the extreme ownership to the dichotomy of leadership? Is that what it was called? Yeah, yeah dichotomy yeah. of leadership. Yeah, what was like the first thing from dichotomy of leadership that you're like, okay, I'm going to like lean into that first? It was honestly tied to this coaching habit. They kind of worked in tandem, whereas the coaching Dumb. habit revolves around asking questions. I realized that, and I think I did this with Carol specifically, I was giving too much detailed instruction ah, and I needed to step back a little bit. So I was, I was taking like just quote unquote extreme ownership because things were transitioning. So to put it into perspective, like things like social media, things mm-hmm. like the web store, ordering merch, doing design proofs, like anything that has to do with the online zone is transitioning. That's Carol's world now, mm-hmm. which is formerly my world. And Taking some of those things, putting them on paper and transitioning that knowledge, I was kind of, I was micromanaging the situation right. a little bit too much. And that wasn't completely clear to me until I went through dichotomy of leadership. And I was like, Interesting. I read the chapter and I was like, oh, that's for sure what I'm doing right now. Not gotcha. with catastrophic results. The biggest, the biggest, most catastrophic result is that I was stifling Caroline's growth. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't allowing her to bloom as quickly as she could or to take on as much as she could because I was just hovering. I was like helicopter parent. And did it add to your workload then? Um, in what sense? Mm. Oh, initially. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Did it make, did it actually make the job harder for both of you? uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We had, there was, we were having too much communication about things that we probably didn't need to communicate about. Mm. I was not letting her fly on things that were fine. I, I wasn't making the distinction between like what was truly, truly important and where we could go ahead and like you can have some freedom and right. it's okay to have a fail here and it's not really a big fucking deal yeah. because we'll we'll take it all as a, as a learning experience. Mm-hmm. So step back from that now, which is nice. And the biggest thing was writing copy, sure. which sucks because... This is something where she wants to get better at. This is something that I feel really comfortable at. Yeah, pretty good. At and that. when you're writing copy, you're like the voice of the company. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a weighty thing. Right. You got to so stay dialed. You got to stay dialed. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to our last podcast. Um, but it, it's a it's a hard it's hard to transition and take artistic thought process, creative thought process, 
and give that to someone else. So right. I was taking the easy way out and basically like, well, you just write one version, send it to me, I'll fix it, and then we'll put it up on the website or oh. we'll put it on Instagram or right. whatever. And we did that for a while, and I was like, dang, the copies, Carol's copies, like not really getting any better. Were and you working together on the edit or were you fully just editing it for That her? was the problem mm. is I... I wasn't working with her, so her copy wasn't improving initially because I wasn't fucking training her. Yeah, I, I wasn't that. doing anything. But the other, the thing that was like choking me up was like I didn't know how, mm. or I felt like I didn't know how. Like I don't know how to translate my thought process. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, this is where all the books come together like a spider web. Yep, epic though. Uh, Carol read Coaching Habit, and Carol started asking me better questions about my thought process and why I made certain copy edits. Booyah. At the same time, I realized that I was being too hands-off. So instead of sending edits to me, now we meet up for a chunk of two or three hours, take multiple different versions of copy, never erase any copy. We copy, paste, make adjustments together. She asks questions. I talk about my thought process and where I'm coming from a brand point of view to get that like cat and cloud feeling, which is, Mm -hmm. it's really fun, but it's also really natural. And it's really important that it feels like when someone reads it, no matter where it comes from, that it's like not written by someone who's paid to do marketing. It's our voice. And we'll copy and paste, copy and paste, talk, make adjustments, copy and paste. And then what we have is the whole evolution of a series of copies. So we have the worst first version right. and then the final polished version. Sick. And we got to do it together all right. the way. So meanwhile, I'm like just micromanaging less, yeah. stepping back, teaching more. She's asking better questions and everyone's fucking awesome. Yeah. And I, it's fucking great. And the, the fucking funny thing is, is like I was scared to do that at first because I was afraid of failing in... Mm. I'm not sure that I can communicate what I'm feeling. So I'm just not going to try. Right. But now that I'm just like, okay, cool. It's going to be a little bit of a struggle. It's going to be a grind. I'm growing for it. And it's way more fun. Serious. That's sick. Because I don't, there's not a ton of people that I can talk to about stuff like that. Right. Creative artistic stuff, specifically writing is a little interesting. So, but she's like into it and she gets it. So now I feel like I have a friend too. Yeah. That's into those kinds of things. So the whole, that was the long-winded That's answer good. to the question. <laughs> well, here's the thing to just circle back on. To me, if you are not a business owner, you heard all of Chris's side, but to just re-shine the spotlight on Carol read a book about how to ask good questions and applied it immediately, and it worked. And it helped the it helped both, both sides of the relationship get to the next level because, to me... That is one of the most valuable things you as a person of employment <laughs> team member can do. Claimed it. Is be able to help the imperfect owner slash leader. Don't even begin to think that anybody is a master of their fucking life or job or ownership. They're trying to get better. And if you can help them, they obviously, hopefully, if they're good, will help you also. <laughs> One of the concepts in extreme ownership and dichotomy of leadership is leading up the chain of command. Right. And it's a it's about that exact thing. And now it's not it's not really optional. It's your responsibility. Right. And if you care. If you care. And <laughs> yeah. on both sides, as a business owner, it's your responsibility and your duty to set up an environment that encourages that mm-hmm. and is not just 
shutting down people for no reason yeah. or not taking anything into account. But the the cool thing about it is she was leading up the chain of command right. in a way that was just, it's not offensive. It's not threatening. It's literally just the desire to learn more. And she's pulling more information out of it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's, that's to me, that's the coolest thing ever. Love it, love it, love it. I feel like we should just take the rest of the books we're going to talk about and link make a list and we'll link them. Yeah, because we'll, it's, it's been a long time. We'll have some hot links. I love hot links. To everyone, let us know what books you're reading. Yeah, man. It's in latest and friends and those. Let us know. Other peoples. Let us know whatever. Let us know anything. Let, I have to share this. Yeah, yeah. Choose yourself, dude. This is the most. Choose easy. yourself in the music. You know it. You cool. That's not. It's this is the <laughs> most. Uh, Hilarious thing ever. James Altucher, if you've never heard of him, I just started listening to his podcast not too long ago. He wrote a few books. One of his most famous ones is called Choose Yourself. He wrote it several years ago. But he, The way he writes is the most honest expression of what he's thinking. And I showed you that passage where, like, in 1992, I decided I wanted to move into a homeless shelter because I thought that girls who lived in a homeless shelter would be more likely to go out with me. Super real. (laughs) Super weird, super real. And he, um, I was speaking earlier about how sometimes the world feels really disconnected and people feel like they're on different teams. And he writes this passage about us versus them and the internet and how, like, trolls or people hating or people taking into context what's important when something's hating (laughs) he writes this little paragraph whenever some guy says something very hateful i imagine what was it like the first time that person kissed his wife did a warm gush of chocolate fill his heart did he say to himself this second i'm the happiest man alive did he have an erection did she kiss him softly on the lips and then his cheek and then his neck and then erection intact did he log onto the internet as guest and post James Altucher is a fucking douchebag. <laughs> and oh my, probably makes him laugh every time. It's hilarious. And he's he's kind of like done this beautiful job of uh, explaining this dichotomy between what's super important in life, like being with someone you love in a really intimate way, and what's like not important at all, like posting troll hate on the internet and how <laughs> oftentimes we are like vastly misjudging what's super important when we let these things bug us or bother us or get to us. And I just thought that was super funny. (laughs) His writing is crazy. It's amazing. That's amazing. Highly recommend it. Anyway, that's your moment of zen for the day. Cat and Cloud Podcast. See you later. Hey, guys, stay dialed. (laughs) The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. They make coffee brewers. Ever heard of them? If you haven't, you should. They're an awesome family-owned company. They're here in California. They power their facility with solar power, which I hear that's like a new hot thing that progressive people do. The best thing about Curtis, in my humble opinion, is the turnaround time on the brewers. They have a 24-hour turnaround. It's phenomenal. If you've ever ordered a brewer for a wholesale client from someone else and waited and waited and waited for it to come in, you know how frustrating that is. So being able to get the brewer next day like that is absolutely amazing. Shout out to you, Wilbur Curtis. Their customer service is phenomenal and they just care. They care about you. They care about me and I care about them. And that's why Cat Cloud Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. 
Oh, yeah. He's totally a nine. Yeah. Context, context, context will change your life. <laughs> I love these berries. They look like coffee cherries. And guess what? I am fucking smart. But the statement that I made prior is so arrogant and ridiculous. I'm in an elite guild. You just sit there. They're like, for how long? I'm like, you're drunk and angry and Sir, big. you're very large. Yeah. <laughs> but we would win if we Please had to fight you. <laughs>